Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined remotely by my good buddy, Tax Williams. Joined remotely in my new palatial mansion that has definitely been paid for by all my Brit rest earnings. <laughs> Yay! It finally happened. We've talked about this on the pod a few times, how... You've been trying to move house for oh, a couple of months before the COVID nonsense. Then you had to go through all that, didn't you? It's been a long process. Yeah, we had our offer accepted at the tail end of February of 2020. I moved on the 3rd of July. <laughs> That's a long time. I'm sure people have been through worse, but uh, I've never had it be that long. I've been like a week or two at the very most. But I am elated. I am currently podcasting from my daughter's new playroom. You can tell how now... Very you up mean palatial class, I studio, I think is meaning to say. <laughs> well, I, I'm thinking because we're gonna down in the uh, down at the bottom of the garden, and the name is Wiggly Woo. Um, <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> I we've got a little summer house which has now been dubbed the Warhammer House. Oh and yeah! Welcome it, to the Warhammer podcast, and we talk <laughs> about chaos for the next half an hour. I I, I wish I've got my new in, uh, my new ninth edition in the back of my car. I'm looking forward to spending hours in my shed building wait did you did you buy the box set yeah did you did, all right so apparently there's some sort of customizable thing with this box set am i wrong no there there, there is basically you can create up to 61 models but also um enjoy this wrestling <laughs> fans um <laughs> you you can also there's a crossover we're all nerds it'll be fine yeah, loads of people are probably going listening to us. Maybe building their new um, Necrons or Space Marines, their um, Primaris Marines. What a treat! Sure. Um, but the plan is long term. The old summer house used to have the electrics connected up to it, and it has a network point down there. So I'm thinking that is going to probably turn into my commentary studio, podcast studio, and Warhammer painting stuff. While my wife might try and put some sewing stuff in there, and it will then be in the pond. <laughs> It'll it be <laughs> I have to burn it to keep the fuel going to keep warm in the winter when podcasting in the shed. <laughs> ah, it'll be fine. We'll take a coat and stuff and just be us sneezing into microphones. It'll be great fun. Exactly, because you know everyone loves it. But but now more so than ever, you're looking to move house. I've moved house. I've got a bigger mortgage to pay. If you like what we do, head over to Amazon.co.uk. Buy a T-shirt. Just search World of Wrestling podcast. Buy a t-shirt, support the pod, help me pay for the massive house. I have no idea how I'm going to afford to pay for it. <laughs> Professionalism. Well done, sir. You're welcome. So, today, we are doing, this is your choice, and oh my god, it was a fucking awesome choice. The Global Wrestling Federation. Um, I'm going to add in presents the USWA question mark on the end of this, because <laughs> we're going to talk about who and why. But it's the Global Wrestling Federation from June the 28th, 1992. This is 90 Minutes on the WWE Network, and it comes across as basically like a highlight show. But I believe this was a TV show that they put out in America, and basically they would take these matches from these different shows they've done, and they'd construct a show which would essentially be almost the completion of a couple, one or two storylines using a lot of the same people. That is correct. It would be shown on ESPN. So we've got a little bit of jumping around to go through. Uh, I don't know if you'd like me to go through the background of USWA and then GWF, or if you've got any notes, or do you want me to go and just jump in at any stage? So my understanding is USWA was pre-WCW, right? 
Yeah, so USWA was founded as an attempt to create the third promotion. So you had Jim Crockett, which was then WCW, and then the then WWF. Um, it had it was created for a merger through WCCW, um, which was the Texas promotion, and CWA, which was based in Memphis. Um, cool. And what a surprise! If it's from Memphis, it originally promoted its shows headlined by Lawler of the King Variety. Um, in Tennessee and Texas, and that was in 1989 that it was founded. Nice. The original owner, even though it was some of the shows were promoted by Jerry Lawler, was owned by Jerry Jarrett. This will hmm. become this will become abundantly clear. I think clear. you mean Jerry J A E T. The problem they had. Um, J E double R Y. J E double R. It doesn't have quite the same ring to it, does it? But this, this so this was only a really short-lived uh, sort of heyday as an attempt to try and create this mass third promotion. Because in 1990, WCCW pulled out of the USWA, yeah. um, and that was a 40% owned by the Von Erich family. Mm-hmm. And then it was really sort of pushed forward between Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler pushing through to texas for the um for the uswa and they even had a talent exchange deal with the wwf in 1992 so when lawler signed for wwf lots of those wrestlers were then would then come down to the uswa yeah but they struggled a lot with money at the same time in june 1991 the Global Wrestling Federation was formed, again, based in Texas. Not um, GFW, let's just throw it out yeah, there, because we're going to slip up over it at least once. So, yeah. <laughs> Not GFW, that long-lived wrestling promotion by Jeff Jarrett, who, in fairness, <laughs> along with Lucha Underground, episodic... You know, Don't say it. I know what you're going to say. Don't say it. It was bad. It was very bad. No, but the concept behind a <laughs> binge eat of professional wrestling as a TV okay. series. I mean, Lucha Underground works better because it's actually a soap opera with wrestling. Whereas sure. GFW, Global Force Wrestling, at least it was a case of, oh, I quite fancy watching the next episode. And then you could binge watch it like I like binge watching Nitro on the network at the moment because it's still or you crap. Could just, you know, yeah, binge watch Nitro or watch New Japan or something good. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, whatever you want to do with your life, that's fine. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against it. I'm just but saying. The, but the key here global wrestling federation the gwf this had a tv deal with espn so So, quick one why is it gwf and not just uswa because they bought the rights they had essentially they essentially had a merger they utilized the footage from these uswa shows back in 1992 to showcase these talents who would again based on their texas nature would have this little crossover between them. So basically, the USWA was um, having a one of their main angles in the early 90s between Gentleman Chris Adams and another ad, uh, angle involving, guess what? Brian Christopher and uh, not the Arsenal captain, Tony Adams, another Tony Adams. And Legend, it was splitting yeah. its time between Memphis and, and then Dallas's GWF. But as they were working so closely together they got a lot of their footage behind it and then that was showcased on ESPN as part of the Global Wrestling Federation. 
So these matches that are on this show, when it was broadcast, they'd be even less kind of relevant than I initially intended or implied at the beginning of this show, I guess. So they're like old matches. Yeah, they've gone for, as you Not said... Not very current, I guess is the best way I'd put it. Well, this was this was aired in 1992, so this would have been some early USWA footage okay. from, let's say, 89, 1990. And it's the storyline arc, as we'll get to, of... Um, <laughs> Tom Pritchard against Jeff Jarrett. That's essentially that the whole the plot, basis yeah. of this. Yeah, Vol- and the so, best thing is, guys, ladies and gents, this is volume three. So there are two <laughs> other volumes on the network: the Best of USWA Volume One and Two, unsurprisingly, that you can delve into if you like. Essentially, um, World Wrestling Podcast Hall of Fame nominee Jeff Jarrett, you'll probably catch up with more of him in previous gwf episodes there's just a little bit of jeff jarrett on this show so (laughs) shall we get into it let's fire away so most of if not all these matches seem to take place in the dallas sportatorium which is the wccw one the von erics like if you don't know who the von erics are there's a couple of documentaries about them specifically the dark side of the ring one is outstanding it's one of the saddest stories in professional wrestling But 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 so well done yeah absolutely but this venue, the Dallas Sportatorium, is notoriously terrible. I remember there being stories of people just walking along and hearing big thuds and going, what the fuck was that? And a rat would just fall from the ceiling and splat on the floor next to them. Was that Stacey sounds... Keebler or Tori Wilson? I, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I just got what you said because I said the word rat. That's really funny. Anyway, so it's a blue canvas, red and white blue and blue ring ropes turnbuckles USWA (laughs) (laughs) there's even the occasional cop walking around a ringside properly looking for black people you know there are in Dallas after all Jesus Christ (laughs) so the crowd is 70% grannies at this point handbags at dawn and blue rinses ahoy it's it's very Britress 70s Britress I'm very glad you clarified 70s Brit rest because, you know, there are certainly less sex pests that we know of in this uh, in the USWA. I doubt that completely. <laughs> <laughs> this looks like a hell of a um, a Wild West sort of scenario to be in. I know it's Dallas, not technically the West, but you know what I'm saying. So we open on a do-do-do-do-do synth brilliance. A dodgy kind of... I know it's not meant to look like an RGB split, but it does because it's such shit quality VHS sort of levels of production. And this is 92, remember? Like, SummerSlam was happening in 92. Um, It's not quite... SummerSlam at Wembley, just to clarify, obviously, for those that don't know, even though everyone listening to this does. Um, And it cuts to an icon thing that goes, the GWF presents the best of USWA, Volume 3. (laughs) Oh, you kind of already explained that. But why did you pick Volume 3 rather than 1 or 2 out of interest? Uh, Mainly due to the people who are on the card. More of a... So Jeff Jarrett, yeah. (laughs) Jeff Jarrett, and also good to see (laughs) see young Steve Austin. And Mm. I quite like... Briefly. I quite enjoy the work of the Heavenly Bodies, so having a bit of Tom Pritchard pretending to do his best Rowdy Roddy Piper impression during promos was was quite a treat. It is astonishing. I was listening to the first promo. We'll do it now, fuck it. I'm going, I know this voice, but I don't think I've ever seen a Dr. Tom Pritchard. I don't remember him ever being on commentary. I don't think I've ever watched like one of his full promos. I've seen him talk, obviously. I know who he is. But I was like, how do I know this voice? And it just clicked halfway through the show. I was like, fucking hell, he is Roddy Piper. 
Like it's yeah. crazy how similar they sound. Shut your eyes and you would not notice any difference. And another reason why I picked this as well is that it had Danny Davis on on this. And considering that he's quite an integral part of um, OVW and mm-hmm. the, the bringing through and the training of the top stars from the uh, the early 2000s into the modern generation, the Randy Ortons, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Leviathan, Dave Bautista. Sure. I, I thought it'd be quite good to you know go back to when he was in ring. And obviously, we always talk about Jeff Jarrett on this podcast, so why not have Jeff Jarrett in pretty much every match on the show? <laughs> <laughs> These opening titles, they have this beautiful kind of pixel art type map of the world behind some text. It was A like flag. an early Street Fighter map. Yeah, very much brilliant reference. And then kind of considering it's the USWA and there's kind of exclusively Americans on this show, a flag comes flying towards you and it's the Mexican flag coming from America. You're like, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Americans and their geography. Yeah, yeah, they know what's happening. So we get the Japanese flag, the Australian flag and that comes out flying from India somewhere. And I'm like, America. <laughs> they have no idea where these flags actually originate from. They're just like, just get a bunch of flags, stick it on there. That's professional. They've basically gone, what? What flags are on the real world's title? Let's get them floating round. <laughs> the Australian flag coming out of India genuinely made me fucking piss myself so hard <laughs> that I had to pause it for a second. I was like, fucking hell, I'm walking into cliches here, but it's it's really fun. Uh, straight into a Roddy, I mean, Dr. Tom Pritchard promo. Uh, Pritchard is pissed at J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T and a, and I quote here, a prejudice referee. And I'm like, uh, you might have an issue finding a non-prejudiced person in this room, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crikey. Uh, <laughs> so, jokes aside, Pritchard is a hell of a promo. Fucking hell. Got me into it straight away. Put it, this, this is the old cliche, you know, talking them into the arena, talking them into the venue. It was great. I, mm. As you said, I'd not experienced a tom pritchard promo before i said i'd seen his work in the heavenly bodies with jimmy del rey and then when they're managed by uh james e cornett mm-hmm. good old good old corny but crikey he was good but that's because he was roddy piper <laughs> yeah absolutely i i would dare to say that when he's wrestling he's significantly better than piper really impressed with in-ring stuff back in early 90s tom pritchard you can tell why he runs the training school with Kane in um, Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that, and, and again, he was responsible for training up some of this, like Kurt Angle, Edge, Mark Henry. He's there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> He's sexual. Uh... <laughs> oh, He's crikey. got a son, which is a hand, dude. It's a hard life. <laughs> Uh, to fair play to whichever creative writer on that Raw reunion show when they had like 13-year-old hand turn up oh. just in the hand costume. That was great. So funny, mate. Like, yeah, really good times. So we immediately cut to Danny Davis. This is Nightmare Danny Davis, not the WWF Brett-loving referee Danny Davis versus Dr. Tom Pritchard. Uh, it's already underway, and I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. No intros, no introductions, well, no that, that was part of the That was part of the promo. That was part of the beef of the promo. That was essentially like, let me show you what happened last week. 
and that's why they cut to this this uh, Pritchard versus Danny Davis match. But it's not like they cut to thirty seconds. No, they cut to this the match. Is, this is most of the match, <laughs> and like I like the um, immediacy of most of this show. They're very willing to cut to a match already happening to get you to the good bits and to get you to the story. And honestly, with one promo, straight into a match, no entrances, no introductions, no commentators yet, I'm invested. The promo is so good and the match is so instant that this really worked for me. It's different. And I know you're missing character development through entrances and such. But when your guy doing the promo is this good, I'm I'm all in. This is great. It's interesting you mentioned about the uh, the character development through entrances because back in the, back in the early nineties for the third the third tier promotion which was USWA, and if you look back at some of the early nineties WCW, unless it was Flair or if it was someone of of that caliber, they didn't have an entrance. When we've covered some early WCW before on the pod or watched things like those old NWA shows, it's a case of they just walk to the ring. There's nothing. There's no. Uh, there's no Iceman King Parsons. <laughs> I'd imagine. Well, thinking about shows I've watched in '92, so WF sort of stuff. Like every wrestler would have an entrance that time. So have these guys not adopted this by this point? Do you think? 92? No, they hadn't. That because it was still very much territory based, wasn't it? That that sticking by your guns thing. No matter how much you're going to lose your audience and your money and your company, is honourable but fucking dumb. Hi, progress. <laughs> so we get a USWA logo, not a GWF logo. Uh, Davis is like Sting, but without the growth hormones or you know charisma. <laughs> but he can work. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's not bad, but. He, he it doesn't. It's not very expressionate. I think is the best way to put it. I mean, it's a good thing we get to revisit him later on in the card, other than this opening match gambit. Really, mm. uh, feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong. By the way, if you think he's got got the got, got the goods, then uh, you know. Well, this is the thing: why he makes a good trainer. He's very technically proficient, but <laughs> as a as a as a wrestler and an entertainer. He has nothing. He's got a good physique and he moves around the ring well. But also, I think a lot of that's down to Tom Pritchard. Yeah, I would say that there's definitely one guy I was keeping a closer eye on in this match. And And was uh, it the guy who happened to be on commentary with Michael St. John? (laughs) (laughs) So, T is on commentary. Uh, The other commentator goes, and there, the crowd coming... To the support of Nightmare. <laughs> like, wait, you can't say it like that. <laughs> I, I don't think Michael St. John was actually there. I think this was filled in with a soundboard where they just press <laughs> buttons on the keyboard. <laughs> oh, the crowd are on there. Chairs, feet. <laughs> it must be so hard to commentate with. Even then, I almost just spoke over you because I thought you'd finished talking. <laughs> and like, <laughs> must imagine he talks like that in everyday life. He walks in and goes, hello. Darling, I would like some hmm. coffee. <laughs> You'd be like, what? How is this acceptable? I love the fact he was joined by Van Halen, Jeff Jarrett, the best version <laughs> of Jeff Jarrett we've ever had. <laughs> oh. So, do you know who Ed Kemper is? I do not know. So, Ed Kemper is a serial killer. Okay. Um, I'm just saying that. The referee has probably got to be on the list somewhere, right? <laughs> Jesus. 
He looks exactly like Ed Kemper, the serial killer. So Ed, 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 Ed Kemper's famous because he's the first guy the FBI interviewed to understand what, how serial killers think and why they do what they do. And he's an incredibly smart giant, but just has a screw loose. And so, you know, decapitated his mother and fucked the skull. And they were interested in that. So. <laughs> Don't let Vince know about this. The writing team will be all over that jazz. <laughs> Jesus Christ, mate. But like this referee, honestly, he is Ed Kemper. He's bigger than both the dudes in the ring. He's got the bowl cut, the little moustache. <laughs> oh, God, he's so creepy. It's funny because in my notes, it was a case of bad booking referee bigger than both quite big competitors. <laughs> It'd be like saying basically, oh, look, here's El Gigante and he's going to start refing in 205 Live. Yeah, it seems like an odd decision. So Davis hits a nasty looking neck breaker that Double J puts over on commentary as the ace bomb. Um, But Pritchard gets his foot on the ropes. Pritchard wraps a chain around his fist, punches Davis. Can he do that, Joey? For the one, (laughs) two, three. And your winner is Dr. Tom Pritchard. Um, Okay, before we go into the shenanigans after the match, general opinions on the match? Enjoyed it? What do you think of both guys? Tom Pritchard was really impressive. Not only has he got the technical skill, but he had the charisma to back it up. And Danny Davis, as we've already covered, he's a very good technical... In He's an in-ring technician. He's nothing yeah. more than that. Sure. And, and, and also, what we didn't realise at this stage is that this was for the belt. This was for the uh, USWA oh. Light Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> that is not the last time I'm going bi- to miss that a match is for a belt. I guarantee it. <laughs> there was a lot of matches on this show. And um, it's about two-thirds of the way through the match and they'll be like oh is he gonna win this belt tonight and you're like hang on what <laughs> we can't call to it tell a belt <laughs> there was nothing to tell us at any point that any of these matches were actually for belts unless there's a promo immediately before it by someone which very regularly they don't even mention it or the commentator team halfway through the match will be like oh yeah this is for the belt by the way viewers and you're like oh good to know it's good that journalism oh, and sports silly. casting on espn's got a bit better since 1992 <laughs> Sure, sure. So, post-match, Double J comes down to the ringside. The ringside? To ringside. And does a... <laughs> to dob Pritchard in for using the chain. Snitches get stitches, Jeff. Just remember. <laughs> <laughs> the ref just blindly believes Jarrett because, you know, he's probably got uh, got some information on him or something. Because he's just going to jump. <laughs> jump! The, the, the... <laughs> How many Van Halen puns have you got? But similar to them, I've only got one, like their song. Oh, okay. <laughs> fair point. Real fair point. <laughs> so the referee immediately just believes Jeff Jarrett absolutely blindly and it's like, oh yeah, he must have cheated. Oh, how else could he win? Why would reverses- a baby face lie? <laughs> he reverses the decision and I'm like, what? Can he do that, Jerry? Jesus Christ. Well, some would suggest that when Daddy runs a promotion, um, Junior mm. might have the best interest of the promotion at heart for fair play and sportsmanship. Absolutely. So your winner is actually Danny Davis. Uh, even with all the nonsense, it was quite fun. Uh, I like the quick start to the show, giving us tons of story and purpose to begin with. Uh, even adding some kind of music to right at the end when Pritchard is beating up Double J after he's dobbed him in they add music over the top of them fighting so we can cut to the next segment faster I was like oh okay I quite like that that's ESPN right there (laughs) yeah it did feel like it so um 
What, what have I got down here? I wrote a little note that says, uh, I, I care more about this than I did about the stories, and I put that in big inverted commas, that were told at Extreme Rules the weekend just before. <laughs> a man so, lost his eye and someone put some chicken soup in their mouth and pretended to throw up on a ramp. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Oh, the eyeball. The eyeball. They blinded a man. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, quick, quick thing. Um, I've only listened to a podcast of the results of Raw. Um, are, are you sure. aware of what happened on Raw on this Monday? Excuse me. Uh, partly because I, I watched a bit of the news earlier that Ollie did. Uh, so you know how Kyrie exited. Yeah, the injury angle. Right. So let me get this straight. A couple of weeks ago, um, someone's having their eye pushed into a steel <laughs> step and Ali Black isn't going to come down and make the save. No. So someone's about to lose an eye and no one makes a save. Mm-hmm. But someone's getting beaten up backstage and Asuka loses her belt. Just go and check on her mate. <laughs> just, uh, I the, suppose, the, fr- friendship's more important than a fake toy belt. There's another layer to it in that Humberto Carrillo, by the way, best first name ever, Humberto Humberto Carrillo is now the biggest heel in the company as far as I'm concerned because Alistair Black would always come and save him whenever he was getting beaten up. Ali Black gets his face smashed into the steps to lose his eye and Humberto's like, nah, won't bother. I'll just stay backstage preparing for my match later. Well, He's literally wh- ready to go backstage, you fucking dickhead. The problem is there is uh, Ray lost his ping pong ball, so <laughs> everyone was looking for it. I mean, his eye. Oh, fuck it out. Even, so, even the Swamp match, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah, anyway, as you said, this yeah, was already more good. enjoyable than two and a half hours of Extreme Rules. Absolutely. So, we get a little ad previewing the next segment after the adverts. Uh, sorry, a little promo ad, whatever you want to call it. A little graphic that says, next, it's the male male. <laughs> <laughs> Not mailman, but the male male. So, M-A-L-E-M-A-I-L. You're like, um okay so we jump back from adverts and we've got curtis thompson the mailman in his mailman outfit to start with <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second versus the dog of war so let's start with the dog of war he's got a serious mullet a, a serious mullet but that's not the real story here um so u.s mail Curtis Thompson whips <laughs> off his mailman cosplay to reveal luminous pink early 90s trunks that are right up there. <laughs> they are right up there, Tax. The ladies of Dallas were having a field day. Crikey. <laughs> what a cheese how, grater. <laughs> how far are his trunks? up his ass up to the small intestine (laughs) (laughs) oh jesus christ so uh do you want to describe the dog of war (laughs) his face looks really good reflecting the bright pink pants of (laughs) (laughs) this dude's had a few beers on his way to the match and he Oh my god! This is very much like um, it's like someone tried to train up one man gang, <laughs> but not really well. It's there is no oh, real words you made to describe me spit my one coffee ma- out back into my mug. <laughs> 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 there no, is, that's gross. 
there is no real way to describe the dog of war when <laughs> I just keep fixating on on the male male man. <laughs> So on commentary, as there's kind of a running theme, we either get Jeff Jarrett or Tom Pritchard. Uh, so Tom Pritchard is talking lots and loudly on commentary. He's dominating the other commentator, and it's bloody great. Um, I have one description of Thompson. I wasn't sure I'm allowed to say on the podcast, so I'll say it and you can judge, okay? Okay. Thompson... Looks a bit like the mentally disabled older brother of the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> oh, it's a keeper. <laughs> I, I said it subtly, and like you know, I think I used the right terminology, right, Nandy? Okay, she didn't hear it, so I think we're okay. <laughs> Let's just move on. Yeah. So, Jared out of nowhere. <laughs> Look him up. Google it. Trust me. Uh, so Jarrett out of nowhere comes out to attack Pritchard, the fucking heel. Uh, the commentator goes, yeah, fucking A. The commentator goes, I forgot all about the action in the ring. <laughs> it made me pop so fucking hard. Just completely ignoring the match. All they're focusing on is Pritchard and Jarrett. The commentator's just chatting about Jarrett Pritchard all the time. Thompson does some barking at the dog of war, which is ironic. Irish whip, <laughs> scoop slam, one, two, three. <laughs> Your winner is the mailman, Curtis Thompson. You can tell, though, this is where Vince McMahon got his idea of literally not giving a shit about what happens in the ring and just have the storyline <laughs> match. Because th- this, is, this is classic WWE, well, modern day WWE. There's a match going on in the ring, but let's put something else that's more interesting in the crowd while letting the other two suckers have to work in the middle of it. Because I did think when this started, so as you said, we had our little vignette, we had Tom Pritch at the beginning, we had the little feud. I thought, why the hell have we got the mailman and the dog of war? What are they going to have anything to do with this <laughs> this uh, like Southern heavyweight championship match until yeah. they started brawling through the crowd? And as you said... What a lovely scoop slam by Curtis Thompson for the victory. You don't see people win with scoop slam these days. <laughs> with good fucking reason. Anyway, uh, next up, the same graphic as we had for the last ad breaks, is the big guy. And I'm like, Ryback's here. Feed <laughs> <laughs> me more. This is about to get good. So we come back from the ads. And next up, well, it's Jeff Jarrett, right? Versus, oh God, versus Awesome Kong. <laughs> At this stage, like, oh. I thought, bloody hell, intergender match in the USWA. <laughs> Imagine how good that match would be. Just Kong beating the fuck out of Jeff Jarrett for like an hour. I'd pay to watch so- it. Absolutely. But this is not that awesome Kong. Okay, well, it's it's a fucking white, hairy dude who's massive. But the real story, again, there's always something with these matches, is neither of these wrestlers matter. What matters is Awesome Kong's manager. J.C. Ice. (laughs) Apparently, okay, on the title it reads, with J.C. and in... (laughs) I can't say it. In speech quotes, it says, The Ice Baby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what is this gimmick? Again, Uh, I did look at the match listings, and if you are wanting to see what uh, Awesome Kong... Uh, pre 
proper Awesome Kong pre-Karma uh, was, then Awesome Kong features in both Volume 1 and Volume 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on the website, you mean. I've got the wrong Awesome Kong. It, no, well, it's in the, in the uh, G, GWF, best, the USWA Best of Volumes 1 and 2. That right. features more. So, this... Sorry, oh, fucking hell. So, <laughs> Jarrett is wearing zebra print with luminous green highlights and tights. And I'm like, mm. ooh. That's, uh, hmm, yeah, that's nice. Awesome Kong has a manager. Who's <laughs> this? The JC guy. <laughs> All right, I've tried to describe this as best I can. Okay, stick with me here. So, it's the rare combination of a mullet with the word ice shaved into the side, with a rat's tail, and a moustache. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> That's a good start. Okay. So, I mean, this dedication to the gimmick is incredible. But the guy, ha- this guy has to go food shopping looking like this. <laughs> Commitment to the what? gimmick. Or, He's- or Awesome Kong was like maybe a delivery driver. And just bought him his food so he didn't have to go out in public looking like this. <laughs> oh, I fucking wouldn't. Jesus Christ. So this guy's wearing a po- polka dot shirt. He has luminous green Zumba pants on. With what seemed to be Saved by the Bell opening graphics printed onto it. It's fucking amazing. Like, I could not take my eyes off this manager. Doing everything that a heel manager needs to do. Look obnoxious act obnoxious and also be the sort of person you look at and go i can beat the shit out of you and you look like a tit (laughs) absolutely mate um so awesome kong is a big hairy man with an snm slave black mask thing oh hang on wait sorry have i just put a picture of me up on the discord (laughs) well you may as well because i mean the boots he's wearing i was instantly like tax gimmick infringement Mm. here if they were orange they would be your boots out flipping rages (laughs) So it's at this point that I noticed the bleach is opposite the hard cam and this is the sportatorium so like half the arena is just like cheap bleachers. Uh, it's literally 80% empty. It's WWE was selling out Wembley Stadium at this time and they've got 80% of an empty reasonably small arena. The number three promotion. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great at all. It's only number three if you ignore Japan and Mexico by the way but in America it's number three. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the match, I mean, because <laughs> if you ignore Japan and Mexico now, WWE's the leading promotion. But if you take the rest of the world, WWE's ratings are shit. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. So Kong no sells practically everything Double J does until Jeff lands three punches and the big man Pratt falls backwards. <laughs> and I know he's the the owner's son and everything, but fuck, man, if you're not going to sell for him, don't sell off a couple of shitty punches. <laughs> the, those no. hands of rocks in them. Mm. God, no. What is it? Hands of stone? Rubbish Ronnie Garvin? That's the one, isn't it? <laughs> Rubbish Ronnie <laughs> Oh, my so, God. The vast majority of the match is Awesome Kong uh, with a nerve hole to Double J's shoulders, which lasts what feels like a lifetime. Uh, <laughs> while Kong drools on himself, it's, it's delightful. He was salivating uh, the prospect of becoming the USWA Southern Heavyweight Champion. Because similar to yeah, commentary, I thought I'd throw in the head. There's a title <laughs> match. It was around here that they mentioned it was a title match. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, good to know. <laughs> so Double J powers up after the fucking, like, the Star Wars nerve hold thing that they always do. Star Trek, I should say, sorry. Uh, the Bolton sleeper- death grip. <laughs> That's the one. Thank you very much. The sleeper locked in. I smell a finish. <laughs> Jeff lands. <laughs> oh, God. Excuse me. 
Jeff land two drop kicks off of Brett's rope to Kong's belly for the one, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) He's so low on these drop kicks. He's the boss's son. (laughs) He's drop kicking the dude in the belly. It's a giant dude with a massive belly. He barely felt these drop kicks. And hey, this is what gets the belly. How dare you? As a man with a big belly has been drop kicked in the belly, I'd much rather be drop kicked in the shoulder than a belly. Yeah. I put okay. my food in there. <laughs> but it doesn't make you lay down, it doesn't knock you out. It just makes you sore, you know? <laughs> Maybe after all that nerve hold, you'd got a stitch. <laughs> <laughs> so the winner is Jeff Jarrett. But, you know, it's. 1992 territory wrestling. So immediately Pritchard jumps the ring and all three lads attack Double J, including the uh, awesome Kong and his shitty manager. Um, I say shitty. He looked shitty. He acted great. He was a really good heel. And then, you know, all hail ha- the baby faces. Running <laughs> to make Dundee. the save. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Bill Dundee and his dyed black mullet and tie-dye tights jump in for the rescue. But here comes... Steve Austin. Ba, yes. ba, 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 ba. <laughs> stunning Steve Austin. Pre-WCW stunning Steve Austin. And Eric Embry's fucking here. And I'm like, I haven't seen that face for a while. <sighs> to beat down the faces. They are a heel tag at this point. So we're now five on two. Heels to faces. Absolutely. Did you notice the sound of the bell at this point? No. <laughs> I described it as someone hitting a slot bucket with a wooden spoon. <laughs> It's going donk, 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 rather than <laughs> ding, ding, ding like it's meant to. Oh, it was brilliant. so carny, mate. It was fucking hilarious. That's so, what um, them bells sound like in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that again. <laughs> Actually do. <laughs> so anyway, gorgeous Gary Young in to help the faces. What a brilliantly fun mess at the end, you know. Um, but then, you know, what's Gary Young doing there? What's Gary Young got to do with the USWA Southern Heavyweight title? I wonder we'll have mm. another match to follow it on. Well, they're going to do the whole storyline in one show. So let's find out, shall we? Uh, we cut back to Michael St. John, who apparently is the commentator for night. They finally gave us his name. Um, what do you think about him in general? Apart from like the fact that he leaves long gaps in between every word. He likes to do what Joey Tribbiani calls smell the fart acting, where you th- <laughs> say something and you think about it <laughs> for a period of time. I thought his... Normally, to remember your words. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, you have to tell me when you're doing that impression, because <laughs> I don't know. Um, I thought his at least tone of voice was very sports broadcasting, you know? Well, that's what I said, very ESPN. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Anyway, so he's chatting about a new light heavyweight championship match between Danny Davis and a, quote, Mexican champion, who apparently is El Grande Piscalero. He's definitely quite pissy. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, this is the USWA, GWF, whatever you want to call. So we join the match already in progress. It's a, I think, light heavyweight championship match. With making his hotly anticipated return to the podcast from two seconds ago, was <laughs> Nightmare Danny Davis versus El Grande Piscalero. Would you like to know a bit of background knowledge about El Grande Pistolero? Pistolero. Pisicalero. Pisicalero. Well, let me tell you the Guerreros. No, 
Charbo. <laughs> Fair point. Charbo, then Pissy Guerrero, then Charbo Classic. <laughs> but Pissy hey, Guerrero... Charbo Classic was the Goblin Gooker. Um, Don't you dare. <laughs> but he was also known as um, Gypsy Joe. And he... No way. He, so this is the Tennessee guy who uh, did the Japanese deathmatch circuits in the 80s and 90s. That's who was under the hood. The guy that got stabbed by fucking uh, New Jack. Yep. No way. Yeah. I did not realize that was him. Holy shit. Because obviously okay. I, what I did there when I was looking for my research, I was clearly looking for uh, another set of El Grande Pissy Guerrero matches to watch. And I found out it was Gypsy Joe. Uh, yeah. Not a guy I've ever felt much admiration for. He seems like a bit of a no-silly douchebag, to be totally frank. He was 58 years old here working yeah. under a hood. He's no mooter. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure he's done some good stuff, but I've never seen any of it, so who knows. Um, you seen any of Gypsy Joe's early stuff? No, no. I, no I've, I've only known, I've only through reading about him and seeing obviously Gypsy Joe doing the Deathmatch circuit, one of the original mm. Deathmatch fighters as well in the States. Yeah, that's where I've seen him, definitely. So commentary, commentary are putting over that both men are champions and that El Grande Piscalero smacks Davis with a pair of knucks and gets his feet on the ropes. <laughs> Territory wrestling finishes. For the one, two, three, they'll never get a clean finish on this whole fucking card, I swear. And the winner and new... What is it? Light heavyweight championship? He is USWA, the GWF? new USWA light heavyweight champion. Okay, is El Grande Pissy Little Pissy Lero? <laughs> pissy Little What's It? <laughs> but fuck all that shit. We've got a Bill Dundee tag match to get to. <laughs> so, with one hour still to go, <laughs> the commentators put this over as the main event of the evening. Of Stealing Dund- your shit already. <laughs> It's one of many main events of the evening uh, because they've obviously just cut these out from different shows. So they would have been a main event, but not on this fucking show. Uh, of Bill Dundee and Gary Young, the faces, versus Steve Austin and Eric Embry, who are our heels this evening. Again, match jump starts with the second the faces hit the ring. At least we actually get the entrances this time. You didn't mention the heels had a, a dastardly manager. Uh, who was their manager? It was Tojo Yamamoto. Oh, because I don't think I noticed him at first because they didn't introduce him in any way, shape or form for the first 10 minutes of the match. <laughs> he does get involved, so I noticed him later. But for the first, I was just like, who's the dude walking around at ringside in the suit? When, when you say gets involved later, you mean gets involved in all of the matches later. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And actually wrestles later in today's show. <laughs> sure. I mean, they only hired six people to do all these shows, so he's got to fill in somewhere. So, like, raw tapings at the moment. <laughs> well, it's, you know, you you employ four people, they do their two matches, one-on-one, one-on-one. You then do the same people, but with masks on, right? You then have a battle royal to finish the show. This is how wrestling works, isn't it? I can't wait for Brit Rest to come back. <laughs> <laughs> the pace of this show... Uh, genuinely is it's electric it's they're just firing as many things and promos and matches at you that they can it, it's great fun i i really enjoy and considering this is official match number three we've had five matches and this is official match number three with a graphic but just yeah. seeing bill dundee and, and having eric embry and steve austin as as a team looking at the the effort of a young steve austin working through 
these territories before he had his break as stunning Steve Austin and the Hollywood Blondes. Really interesting to watch him in the ring. And he was very much ready. He was primed at this stage for his his move to WCW and and his team with Pillman. It's amazing to see that this is not the style of a Steve Austin that you get outside of this and WCW. Yeah, he's... um young fiery baby face here basically i know he's actually on the heel team but the way he's wrestling he's agile he's athletic he's fast he's insane like pre-neck break austin is a different caliber human being it's funny you should mention about the heel face dynamic because i said this is official match number three it's very difficult from this point on for the rest of the card to distinguish who is supposed to be heel and who is supposed to be face in quite a few of these matches going forward now. I'm not sure I agree with that because they've definitely established who are the heels and the face in that beatdown segment they had earlier and it's all the same people throughout the show apart from the lightweight stuff, isn't it? Then they should fucking wrestle like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with you there. That's very, very true. But the Thank, I'm so glad there. that setup worked. I'm so glad that setup worked. I was hoping you'd bet. <laughs> So, the match jump starts the second the face hit the ring, as I said earlier. Uh, it's really fun. Austin's in 90s Hawaiian pattern shorts. It's a really surreal sight. I think that's fair enough. Yeah, I love Hawaiian Austin. Crush, <laughs> crush, I've got shit Austin. on him. <laughs> so, Eric Embry has a belt, and I'm like, is this a tag match, maybe? I, I don't even know. Was it? Did you look it up? Uh, no, as far as I'm aware, this was okay. not for any belt. It's just Eric Embry uh, likes to shop at WWE shop. <laughs> yep, brilliant. There's there's a bit in this match where they they wrestled to the outside, which happens a lot in these matches. By the way, we're skipping over the action because it's 92 USWA. So if you want to watch people throwing punches and doing like you know Irish whips into a clothesline, feel free to go watch this show. But I'm not going to fucking describe it for you. I will describe exactly what we see in every single match now. Imagine <laughs> a Royal Rumble. That is it without the spots. An occasional scoop slam or like maybe a suplex or maybe a springboard off a breast rope, you know. Don't give away the finishers for every match. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the camera turns as they're brawling around this ringside and it shows the side of the arena that the hard cam is on and it is literally empty. And I just, oh, like super cringe moment. At this stage, I also sent a quick email to Five Star and said, is this how you based your TV model on? <laughs> I mean, the arena here, this is the Sportatorium, the famous Dallas Sportatorium that had the Von Eriksen sold out night after night and the Freebirds and, you know, it invented wrestling television production here. They invented entrance themes for wrestlers here. This is a significant, important territory. And the capacity is what? 30% full of this quite small venue? To base it on a recent podcast that we covered, and you can go and check this one out in our archives at worldofwrestlingpodcast.com, it's like when WWE sells out MSG and AAA sells out the side <laughs> hall at MSG. MSG. It's still MSG. <laughs> counts, it counts with the angry lady. Yeah, but imagine like, you know, they only sold 30% of that venue, the small MSG arena, you know. There were That's more people this at this year's WrestleMania than there were in the Sportatorium. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There were less grannies, though. There's loads of grannies on this show. <laughs> Wait, what are you trying to say about Edge? <laughs> oh, careful now. 
So there's a moment in this match where there's some miscommunication between the faces and it leads to some tension, but they kind of just go, oh yeah, sorry, and then just carry on <laughs> sort it out so quickly. Yeah, you lads, imagine- this isn't this isn't Pritchard versus Jarrett. <laughs> don't don't try and take the storyline thunder. Oh, it's so much fun. So there are some really funny spots in this match. There's kind of the tennis back and forth where they do the punches. You get Aloha Steve Austin on the sunset flip, which is hilarious considering the pants he's wearing. <laughs> um, I thought the spots that are in here were... like There's some good comedy bits, let's put it that way. From four wrestlers you wouldn't expect comedy from? Yeah, sure. I wonder what else is on this card this night, whether there's like some death match in the main event and... Well, this no, they've the already established this is the main event of the evening. Oh, fucking hell, yeah, another one. <laughs> Plenty of cheating by the heels, who apparently have an Asian manager who I've only just noticed at this point. Who What's his name, Yamamoto or something? Uh, Tojo Yamamoto. I mean, could the name be any more generic? It's, it's outstanding, isn't it? So, we'll talk about him as we go along, because he gets involved a bit later on. So, Gary Young gets beaten up by the heels until he lands a big clothesline and makes the hot tag to Bill Dundee. And that is more of a pop than 90% of hot tags get nowadays because the way they worked it. It was very, very smart. Um, go on. I, I was going to say it's taking down Austin as well. Austin sold the clothesline and had been run over by a truck. Yeah. The whole process of getting to this tag, like they, the reason the crowd pops so much is the process of getting there. It's not the tag that does it. It's the build and the tension. And, you know, these are four dudes who, the two of them, well, at least one of them is quite new into the business. There's a couple of, like, you know, very experienced guys. The one kind of intermediate guy, I guess you would say. And the way they work this match is significantly better than most stuff I see on television at the moment, even if the, match, even if the moves aren't there, you know? This is the sort of tag team wrestling that you'd expect FTR to try and bring into AEW. Absolutely. The actual slow build for the hot tag, because the whole concept of a hot tag now... I love, I love old tag team wrestling, modern tag team wrestling. Out un, until you get people like FTR being able to try and bring tag team wrestling into things. It's it's a dead it's a dead art because it's just now a cluster of people not put together. And the hot tag is the key part of a tag match. You're never going to have a card which has got eight. It's just full of tag matches unless it's a tag team gimmick. So you know you're going to get that spot, but it always gets a pop if done properly. And this was done properly. Yeah, I think back to tag teams like Money Inc. and the Nasty Boys, and they're not the, the they don't do high spots like at all. But every single match, I go away going, "Oh, I really care about this." And it's nice to see that coming back to wrestling, even it's with natural disasters when they yeah. worked as a face team and they got a hot tag when Earthquake tagged in Typhoon and the crowd yeah. would erupt. You think about the size of Typhoon and how he looks and everything, and he's the guy taking all the heat and selling, <laughs> like, and he does it brilliantly to, to gain sympathy for being such a like much larger competitor than his opponents is, is an absolute art but also something that could potentially damage people like the big show sure but anyway back so, to the proper wrestling <clears throat> excuse me dundee hops up to this brett's rope does a crossbody for the one two three <laughs> It, it's there's it, it it works because of the the momentum of getting there but again the finish feels oh a bit weak it's not macho doing an elbow off the top it's not hogan building to the leg drop or whatever it's it's a crossbody off the second rope you know it's, it's like eh, yeah cool every five years people got higher up so 
90, yeah. early 90s, middle rope. 95, top rope. 2000s, scaffold towers, ladders. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I was going to make a Teddy Hart joke there about the high bit, but let's like, just move on. Fuck it. So <laughs> the winners are Dundee and Young. The heels handcuff the faces to the ropes because, you know, fuck clean finishes and then proceed to beat them down. Pritchard even jumps in from commentary to join in. It seems a bit unnecessary, right? <laughs> you know, it's what it is. Got to get the story over. Yeah, exactly. Kong- Tom-, Tom Pritchard's there. <laughs> even Kong's pikey manager is back out to do it as well. <laughs> like, what's <laughs> happening? Everyone's got a payday. Uh, uh, this is probably one of my favourite segments on this show. I thought it was really funny. I love seeing Austin. I love the comedy. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Great tag match. Great again. It's it's what you'd expect from nineties wrestling and nineties tag team wrestling. Well formulated. Nothing really chat home about. Nothing over. Nothing you go. Oh, I definitely recommend you watch this match. You will learn something from it. Unless you want to learn the concept of a hot tag. Yep. But yeah, solid solid outing. Absolutely. And uh, Hawaiian shorts, always a plus. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to get you some Hawaiian shorts on the next pod. Thanks, mate. I had a pair that I used to wear when I was in a punk band just to piss people off because people would come up to you and be like, dude, those shorts are really fucking ugly. And I'm like, yeah, so what? <laughs> I hope your response was, so is your mum. Well, they're all like cool skater kids covering a punk show. And I'm like, you're not punks. You know what punk is, you fucking dicks. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, let's move on. So next up, I think, is a light heavyweight championship match. Who knows? Making their hotly anticipated return to the podcasts. It's the Nightmare Danny Davis. And also making his return to the podcast is El Grande Pissilero. It's almost like we've already had this match on the podcast. Oh, it's great. When this came up, I was like, oh, I see. <laughs> so we're not going to get any other wrestlers. That's it for the night. It's just going to be these guys on repeat. Um, interesting concept. I think the whole idea of, oh, look, he won the title in slightly dubious means. Let's mm. have the rematch because I'm sure the television audience will think that the wrong will be, you know, the wrong will be righted. <laughs> That's such bad description. No, no, you, you bang on. You know how it's like Davis is a bit like Sting, but without the charisma and the growth hormones and everything else, you know. Um, here he's wearing gold and black zebra print tights. I'm like, oh, those are special. <laughs> he found them in Jeff Jarrett's bag. <laughs> well, this is obviously what faces have to use in 92, right? Luminous colours or gold or silver and some sort of zebra print how else would we know he's a face yeah surface sting was definitely not over at this time <laughs> not nicking his gimmick in <laughs> any way shape or form yeah the uh, the referee that's on the list is back for this match by the way uh <laughs> you know this light heavyweight match where these dudes are even smaller so it looks like they're being you know refereed by a giant in the ring it's it's a <laughs> These two basically just stiff the shit out of each other and kind of do standing and staring for most of the match. Bit of a hammerlock fest. Hmm. You know, Steve Austin, Takamishinoku, light heavyweight classics. You know, <laughs> Not Steve Austin, but you know what I mean. I'd love to see Steve Austin and Takamishinoku in a light heavyweight classic. <laughs> Double kip up. I mean, I mean, on this show, Steve's like the young, agile, lighter weight guy. You know, he's not fucking <laughs> awesome Kong. 
Yeah, also Steve Austin is about 30 years younger than most of the competitors on this yeah. card in the early 90s. Absolutely. Um, blah, blah, blah. So Davis uses a chair on Piscolero. Can he do that, Jerry? Yeah, I thought he was the face in the last match. <laughs> uh-huh. Right in front of the ref. One of the camera ops... Oh, just lost my note. Fuck it out. Hold on. One of the camera ops walks into shop. He's wearing <laughs> bright orange and white zebra prints. And I'm like, oh, it must be a face then. <laughs> <laughs> That's That was Jeff Jarrett holding the camera. Because again, it's a crew and wrestlers. By the way, whenever I describe someone wearing shorts or trousers, they're always Zumbas because it's 92. And the road warriors are making a shitload of money by selling people trousers. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> anyway, this finish tax. I mean, oh, wow. This finish. Would you like me to describe it and then you can say what you think? Uh, yeah, go on then. <laughs> I, I mean... <laughs> I just, I really hope you can get over the flamboyance and the panache that is this finishing sequence. Pissy Lero <laughs> is no selling being punched in the corner. You're like, right? <laughs> Great start. Pissy Lero grabs a leg while still no selling punches to the face. It's just being punched in the face. You're like, um, I'm just going to grab your leg, mate. Do you mind? The king of props himself. Sorry. Oh, fuck's sake. The king props him. I'm calling him the king at this point, by the way. So the king props himself up on Danny Davis, who's now laying on his back. Pissy Lero, Mr. King himself, leans gently against the ropes for the one, two, three. <laughs> what just happened? It's, it's, God, if you're describing it like flamboyantly, it's a single leg takedown well, exactly. while he's avoiding so, punches for a, a cheating grab the rope spinfall. But that's not what happened. No, the flamboyant way was it's a fantastic, like classic catch as catch can, single leg takedown, using the feet on the ropes to assist with the leverage of the cover for the one, two, three, and still USWA light heavyweight champion. But that is not what we got. No. Go on. Um, Jump in. Well, <laughs> it means that we can have a, a third match because, you know, there's, there's a... Ju- the biggest compliment? Like it means we can get to the next match. <laughs> what I don't understand, though, in the opening contest, we had Jeff Jarrett run out and say, hang on a minute, ref, some shenanigans happened. You should change the decision. What the fuck? Je- is Jeff Jarrett Humberto Carrillo? Is he just fucking about backstage, just not paying attention? Oh, it's so good, isn't it? This is, this, this is is ideal podcast material because this match was the shits. <laughs> Can we just watch like early 90s wrestling and AAA, please? Because this is so much fun. I, I enjoyed this partly because I knew that even though we watched this show like two weeks ago, everything is still very, very vivid with the notes because <laughs> these finishes, you don't forget. I mean, fair play to them. You do not forget these finishes. Oh, absolutely. When we did that New Year's Revolution show, I spent the whole time when we were podcasting going, wait, how did that happen? What happened with this? I remember every single moment. It's so vivid in my memory. Can you remember the leg he took down? Yeah, the left leg. <laughs> yeah. He leaned right onto the ropes. <laughs> yeah. Because it was on the far corner and the ref was standing there as well. And I remember going, what the fuck is the ref doing? He's just watching him grabbing the ropes. <laughs> I, I do have, I, I'm trying to find a legitimate reason why this finish was so shitty. So, are you ready for my theory? Go on, Em. 
even though it doesn't exist, but I'm going to try and justify what happened. <laughs> I mean, it's a 60-year-old man in a lucha mask. He probably doesn't know what he's doing. I Because this match was announced at the start, although did their introductions. This is match was announced... F- the time limit of the match is TV time remaining. So I wonder <laughs> if this was originally broadcast live, was another main event of the evening, and the referee was like, we're about to lose a feed, go home. So it's like, right. <laughs> yeah, what about the other 10 minutes when they're just standing there staring at each other? Referee got it wrong. There we go. <laughs> so next up, we get a match graphic. <laughs> the next match when we return from ads is going to be for the belt. At least they told us this time. Yeah, and I thought this was strange. So I thought, hang on, this is what we've been building up to. Jeff Jarrett, Tom Pritchard, this is the main event. But then I looked at how much time was left and I thought, fuck me, this better not be this much of a long match. (laughs) (laughs) So again, it's your main event of the evening for the Southern Heavyweight Championship. Making their much anticipated return to the podcast is Jeff Jarrett and Dr. Tom Pritchard. Um, First off, let's throw them a compliment. That belt is lovely. It's a beautiful belt. They did very well. That's where the budget went because they certainly didn't pay for talent. (laughs) Arenas, rings, refs. (laughs) (laughs) So, Double J has swapped to bright bright blue tights with green on them. Stinger. Stinger. I was going to say, like, if you combine Joker and Superman together, I think that's pretty accurate. But um, no zebra print. And I'm like, how will we know he's a face? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crikey. Well, he doesn't want to be seen potentially losing his belt, not wearing proper face colours, just in case he needs to to save face. Spoilers, but yeah, okay. (laughs) This is, we've been building up the anticipation for this match the whole time. We just gave away the spoiler of the introduction. (laughs) Well, I said he could. You've technically uh, given away this point. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> so, Pritchard is amazing here. He's such a good heel. He's complaining. He's shouting at the fans. He always get, gets the better of Jeff every time they lock up in this match. And I'm like, fucking hell. Like, there's a brilliant way that uh, I heard, um, what was it, a sports thing referred to once? That it was like, he's the mountain for Jeff to climb. Yeah. And like, I think that's just a beautiful way of summing it up, you know? That's not my words, it's someone else's. When watching Tom Pritchard during this, I started thinking, look at these mannerisms, and I look at MJF and how he interacts with the crowd and he's always talking trash to the crowd. He's a proper heel. He yeah, is absolutely. not liked. But one question I do have to ask, so obviously this is 92. When did Tom Pritchard get his doctorate? <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> I don't know. I'm certainly know his brother doesn't have one. Fucking hell! <laughs> Does that dude want to lie more on podcasts? Like, really? <laughs> Bruce well, he's, Richard. He's upset the real world's champion this week, so you know we've got to support our own Nick Aldis. God, yeah, and his sure, superstar sure. country singer wife, Mickey James. I heard she also wrestles. <laughs> Which is right. a shame because genuinely she's. I one of the better female wrestlers of that generation. I remember when she came in against Trish the, the first little feud they did and thinking that, wow, this is a beautiful woman who's also a fucking amazing wrestler. Like, you used to get one or the other back in WWE all the years back. You yeah. Know? but And even now, to the fact that her and Trish had a spot that's still edited off the network yeah, for that sure. Mania moment. And no fan will ever forget it because it was so fucking hilariously good, yeah? 
I yes, I remember it happening live. We used to watch it. Uh, there's a do you, do you remember at the beer cart arms? There was a DJ called Gaz. Yes. Okay, so we were at his house because it's just in um the little bit as you I can't remember. See, I'm so tired. <laughs> the bit as you come out of Canterbury, he used to live there with a bunch of people we knew, and so we always used to go watch the pay per views together because they didn't they had neighbors that just didn't care. I think one of them was like a deaf old lady or whatever. And so we'd end up screaming. I remember that happening. And I was sitting in like the back of like three sofas and everyone stood up and was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like, uh, it was a good moment. I, so, I, and, and then one of your friends turned around and was like, Mickey just fingered Trish <laughs> on, on WrestleMania. Like, and, hang on. The, the, the and story her fingers. <laughs> and the stories which you hear backstage, Vince McMahon hated it. Vince McMahon should have loved that shit. I say that's right up his street, isn't it? It's right up my street. Yeah, fucking A. So, you know how the Young Bucks, the Lucha Bros, etc., they do tag team wrestling. Then there's like FTR, you know? Yeah. So, what I've put here is that like, that's the former and like Gargano and Champa. sorry. If Gargano and Champa are the former, to me, this is the latter. You know? It's there's no high spots it's smart it's intelligent it's a really really good heel and i love the baby face and it's just fucking perfect it's amazing to think that we have now found finally surpassed the previous jeff jarrett match where i can happily say this is probably the best jeff jeff jarrett match i've watched from an in-ring psychology standpoint that was going to be my big talking point here i'm like is this better than the first match we saw we're like oh he's quite good there and what i was think that we can- show what was that it was nwa something wasn't it oh oh no what was it we ah it was another spot show wasn't it let me quickly flick back through our archives while we what, chat about the, this. What's the, what's the big WCW show every year? Star something? Uh, Starcade. Star, it was Starcade, wasn't it? I don't think it was because it had Iceman King Parsons. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? He you never made it to a Starcade. <laughs> he never made it to a Starcade. I'm sure it was Starcade. But I think what you've also not mentioned is who was at ringside managing soon-to-be Dr. Tom Pritchard. What, Tojo Yamamoto? Tojo Yamamoto was back. Okay. Manager of champions. Let's, let's get there. So Jeff gets the slightest advantage over Pritchard and rolls to the outside to chat with the manager because Pritchard is like, I'm not having that. And so this is where he goes to chat to his manager, Tojo Yamamoto, and actually start to use the manager on the outside. I think you're more qualified to talk about this than I am. <laughs> but um, So there's a moment where Tojo... I'm going to use the word attacks, but I don't <laughs> think that's doing it justice. He taps Double J on the head with a briefcase. He gently caresses <laughs> Double J with um, what can I be described as a briefcase. <laughs> he sells it like he's been shot. He looked like he went down like he'd just had a rocket launcher fired at his face. But seeing these grannies want to attack this Asian man in 92 on the outside of the ring, you're like, geez, these southern states do not move forward very fast, do they? Not in the slightest. No. I mean, it worked. They got heel heat. It was certainly... Well, exactly, yeah. It, it, It did what it was meant to do. But you can see why there's not a lot of people in the crowd if this is the caliber of story you're going for. 
especially at the the payoff of the, a long running storyline for them. Yeah, sure. That so as much as I didn't get who the manager was or why the heels love each other and all this sort of stuff, Pritchard is over as a heel. Jarrett is over as a face. It's flashy when it needs to be. I mean, what more could you ask for? It's it's fucking great. This um, is proper main event stuff. Yeah, many, many companies can't achieve this today. And the blueprint is there. It's obvious. It was 28 years ago people were doing it correctly. You know, it's it's not complicated, dude. It's like, come on. Uh, and just as a throwback, I found it. It was the AWA Super Clash 3 was the Jeff Jarrett match we did. There you go. Now, considering we Not released played. that podcast on the 14th of October 2018, <laughs> it's taken us almost two years of watching pretty much Jeff Jarrett every week to find a match to better that. He's on the podcast constantly because he's just spread himself around pro wrestling for so many years. And everything he's done has been shit. Pre-92, I guess was fair to say. Without, yeah, uh, to be fair, everything post-92 post was shit. That's what I meant, sorry. <laughs> Other than the good housekeeping match, where, again, you can go back to our archives and see uh, professional wrestler Will Power perform the greatest ballad about that match, the good housekeeping match between China and Jeff Jarrett. Absolutely. It's one of the Quizlemanias. Quizlemania 3, I want to say. No, that's your uh, employer's quiz, not the Super Quiz Cup. <laughs> Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. Stole my gimmick anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what they put you on the payroll. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I stole my quiz. Anyway, it's again, good numbers. Fucking hell. We make a lot of money off that quiz. Anyway, so I, we yeah, always we knew don't. it would work. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> anyway, these the fans here, right? They're not very creative. They have one chant and they do it quite consistently throughout the night because Jeff Jarrett is in every fucking segment on this show. I mean, it's, it's how wrestling should be. But they have one <laughs> chant, which is, go, Jeff, go. Go, Jeff, go. And they chant it constantly. Still less annoying than Progress fans. <laughs> They're, they don't have any fans anymore. They, <laughs> they've all got their fucking high horse and gone, no, nah, no, nah, this isn't punk rock anymore. No, no, we need to have a... We, we need liaison officers. <laughs> We're punk rock. We do need layers and officers. We don't need to be punk rock and wrestling. We also don't need to be associated with progress. But then again, knives the OJMO. Ah. <laughs> Malfunction at the junction leads to Pritchard knocking down the ref. I don't know how because he's like three times his size, but that's <laughs> what it is. I don't know if it's that ref at this point, but it's a funny joke. So fucking let's move on. <laughs> Tojo up to distract Jeff. Pritchard puts a covering, as commentary calls it, on his boot. It looks like a G-string for his shoe. It's a bit weird. Exactly. He put on panty liners. <laughs> sure. Booty Eric liners. Embry. <laughs> Eric Embry, out of fucking nowhere, is back out to hit Double J with the Texas boot. It's not a move. He's just got a boot that he hit it with. <laughs> Pritchard has Double J covered for the one, two, three... And new Southern heavyweight, some bollocks, uh, is Dr. Tom Pritchard. I mean, shame about the finish. This is a major problem with early kind of mid-90s non-WF shows. But again, this is Jeff Jarrett's best match we've ever seen. And we've watched a lot of his shit over the years. I mean, it's this is only a close. This it was only seconded by him being hammered, throwing tortillas into the crowd at Triple Mania and falling down the steps drunk. Absolutely, man. That see that that's sad, but funny. <laughs> this is good, but 
kind of funny at times. You know, the problem you have improvement here is, going backwards. is similar to what we ha- always say about the Mexican promotions, though. It's run by a few families. So rather than having the top heel go over without a shitty finish, he has to make the, the baby face look, well, not hurt by having a clean pinfall. But <laughs> saying that... Yeah, they don't like clean pinfalls in this show at all. No, not at all. But it also gives a reason for the feud to continue because the storyline arc through the many months to get to this stage for the USWA Southern Heavyweight Championship is really good storytelling. Yeah. They the keep getting in each other's business. Yep. It's it's really, really good. What I have a slight objection to is the random heel who happened to be involved in a beatdown earlier coming out to decide the match because they won't just do a, a finish. But that's the progression of the storyline. So maybe Jarrett's going to go off for Eric Embry now while Tom Pritchard goes and gets his doctorate. Sure. Um, I, I understand. I much prefer... I know I'm a New Japan mark, but I much prefer the way New Japan do it. So, you know, Cruiserweight wrestles the big heavyweight guy as like the spilled feud blah 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 blah. at the end of the match the heavyweight wins cruiserweight gets attacked by a different cruiserweight which leads to their feud down the line for example you know what i mean yeah like let's not do it before the finish like get them get to a finish then tell the story is what i like to do more personally i think my, my standpoint again i i agree with you by and large but if it's a story they're going to revisit in the future then you've got the unfinished business if you draw a line under it why would people come back to see Jarrett versus Pritchard if it's a case of, well, he beat him clean? This way, okay. he can go off and have another feud. They can start building up Eric, Eric Embry as another top-level heel to be feuding with the calibre of Jeff Jarrett. Can't believe I said the calibre of Jeff Jarrett on a podcast <laughs> or in real life. And then when he's helped elevate Embry, if they need to go and have that big money feud again, there's still the, you've never beaten me, Jarrett. And then he's got the comeback of, ah, but you've got this and it could be set up for a cage match or a no DQ or a shark cage match. We love a shark yeah. cage match on this so, podcast. To give you an example, for example, this match specifically is he's got a manager on the outside who's a heel. You could just done that with that and then move the guy in afterwards. But I know what you're saying. Like I'm just very aware that I think one of the major problems with non-WF industry, like, sorry, uh, territory like the southern states a lot of them specifically um that's unfair because there's minnesota and chicago and everything else as well so the territory system at this time no one did clean finishes and it damages it strongly man there's a reason people would tune into wf every week and pay attention to their product it's not just about the presentation and everything it's they give you satisfying moments to back up all the storytelling well, if you think back on this card, we've had we had a clean win in the Thompson Dog of War match with the power slam. Which, we had a clean finish with the Jeff Jarrett drop kick from the middle rope from Brett's rope into Awesome Kong's tummy. And then it's been mm. shenanigans. Yeah, sure. So again, making their much anticipated return to the <laughs> podcast, it's for his third match on this show, Nightmare Danny Davis versus Second match on this show, the Dog of War is back. It's obviously the sixth person. (laughs) I I noticed at this point, the Dog of War has his name tattooed on his arm. It's a great way to get your gimmick over. I sort of hope he had it tattooed on his arm before he became a wrestler. (laughs) I don't want to speculate. 
So, but the good I mean, thing is, though, if we knew it's if we knew it's Danny Davis and Dog of War, we knew we we're going to be treated to many, many more hammerlocks in this match. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's around this time that I started to realize that really there's only going to be six wrestlers on this whole show, and I started to work out that there's more managers and referees and commentators than there are actual wrestlers on this show. I mean, when you look at the gate, how are you going to pay the talent? <laughs> can't afford talent (laughs) so the commentator completely ignoring what's happening in the ring much like most of the fans in the arena to chat about some taped fist match that happened the night before between Embry and Dundee that we don't get to see anything of as I'm looking at the grannies at ringside all clutching their handbags Davis lands a neck breaker for the one two three (laughs) and I was like oh okay let's move on shall we clean clean pin into our penultimate match and Oh, what a stipulation this one is. So, it's 1992, let's not forget. And this is a first blood match. What? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Between, again, making their much-anticipated returns to the podcast, stunning Steve Austin and Gary Young. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. Let's do it. A Stone Cold Steve Austin, the first blood match. When's the next one? 97, I think? 98? it's against uh kane because they had kane with a mask wasn't it so it's like how will we ever see him yeah. bleed <laughs> absolutely it's where kane wins the belt isn't it for 24 uh, yeah hours. And, then, and then it's put up the next night with austin jumping off that little beer truck over him and the undertaker and things like that isn't it i think yeah i, I feel like they made a mistake and booked them in a the match they couldn't work their way out of and so had to give kane the belt for 24 hours yeah i always felt sorry for kane in that scenario Ah, oh, but you know he's used he's used his platform for good as the mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee. Sometimes seeing him not wearing a mask, fucking, you've worn a mask your whole career, Kane. Fucking wear a mask. <laughs> so, I've always loved how Austin oversells when he's a heel. He is amazingly fun here. He's prat falling around the ring, flopping over the commentary desk. He's brilliant, mate. He's he's Ric Flair versus Jesse Ventura when it comes to selling in his heel mode. Perfect. Really good description. These two lads brawl into the very empty bleachers. Uh, the commentator bails into the crowd at one point, which I thought was hilarious because he then finds himself a seat. He's got plenty to pick from. Um, <laughs> and the and chats to the people at ringside. It's not like he's holding the mic and he's going... So, like, isn't this match amazing? And then continue to talk into the mic. He's then handing the mic to the crowd members and going, what do you think? And a crowd member responds, Duh, this is great. <laughs> like, legitimately, that's what he says. It's so funny. That's the caliber of attendee you get at the sportatorium. Oh, fucking hell. It was around here when they cut to a shot of the crowd and it was a guy with a mullet and a trucker cap with like no teeth and cross-eyed and i was like fucking hell ah progress fans <laughs> so just been drinking all their energy drinks oh, it was also this match that i noticed the use of gaffer tape don't diss the use of gaffer tape gaffer tape has helped <laughs> many a ring crew dude this is holding oh, and, the and arena also, together at this point in this show and also gaffer taping batista to a ring post once for a, for a wrestling finish for john sure. cena and batista but like I noticed the commentary desk is gaffer taped. Someone went through it. You saw someone take their head to the commentary <laughs> desk earlier in the in the show. They're not gonna repair that table. The turnbuckles, the ropes, 
<laughs> the ring, the ring skirt, and the guardrails all had gaffer tape on them. And I was like, fucking brilliant. I love it. So Brick tardy. Rest. <laughs> Text rest. <laughs> I'm really. Someone needs to make a t shirt. Text rest. <laughs> <laughs> just gaffer tape everywhere so the texas hangman hangmen sorry two of the lads from earlier in masks has to be right this is brit rest yeah of course <laughs> randomly do a run-in el grande cause... pistola and pissy guerrero <laughs> to cause a super schmoz the commentator tells us this is get this another main event tax <laughs> I mean, there's no blood. It's a DQ Man, finish in a first ends. blood match. In a <laughs> fucking first blood match. Can he do that, Joey? Uh, could I mention um, Seth Rollins with a hammer? A comedy mallet, uh, a fairground mallet. This my is favorite the level. bit with that match is when he came out. Um, sorry, you're talking about the uh, Hell in a Cell, aren't you? Yeah. Go on, carry on. Not, not, not the one where Bray Wyatt suddenly just appears from behind the speakers and kills him, which was great. I was thinking, like, coming out for the eye match with a pair of fucking, like, plumbing pliers. And I'm like, hey, that's not how you remove an eye, dude. You want, like, a melon baller or something. <laughs> He's been to Vision Express. Laser eye <laughs> surgery. Get both eyes done for 500 quid. Fuck but, you, know. But, yeah, this finish. Uh, we were talking about schmozzy finish. You've promised the first blood match. And now they, there's been a disqualification. In a first blood match. So there's mm-hmm. been no blood and it's a DQ. So Gary Young wins via DQ. Yep. <laughs> Just let that but, one breathe, shall we? But it's a good thing that, you know, that Billy Travis comes in to make the save because we need a reason for the the main, 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 main event of the show. <laughs> the sixth main event of the evening, I think this is now. Yeah. So what the commentator tells us that this was <laughs> what was meant to be Jarrett, Dundee, and, quote, Travis. I'm like, oh, a different wrestler. <laughs> okay. He was uh, not drumming in Blink at that test stage. <laughs> or, you know, singing songs about, like, you know, Rain, depressing things. Rain, sing. I'm trying Fucking to, yeah, sing. That's Travis, what I was looking for. every single one of their songs was the same. You could just yep. replace the lyrics in every song. It's like fucking listening to Journey, but yeah. miserable. Yeah, you could say the same about Coldplay, to be fair. But Coldplay anyway. is shit. Yeah, and I'm one of the most biggest selling bands in the entirety. And it's just like, ding, 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 ding. Anyway, so versus Embry, Pritchard, and... Go on. He's made it to the main event. Tojo <laughs> Yamamoto! So it is now just Jarrett and Billy Joe Travis, which is his full name, versus Pritchard and Yamamoto. <laughs> so can you describe Billy Joe Travis to me? I was really hoping you were going to ask me to describe Yamamoto. Well, you can if you want to. <laughs> well, I will. Tojo Yamamoto. <laughs> Sorry, the way you said it. Tojo Yamamoto. Sadly, is no longer with us. He died in 1992, so <laughs> shortly after this show. Are you serious? He, yeah. He died in 92? He died in 1992. Oh, 19th no. of February. I feel bad now. This, he, this, this, the whole match, I've just got jokes. I don't have any of the spots. <laughs> just think of an Asian version of George the Animal Steel. And that is how I would describe the face of Tojo Yamamoto. That's pretty accurate. He's, a, he's a less stiff than George. He, 
He was incredible. But did you know he was he was a one-time NWA tag team champion? Of course he was, yeah. Uh, he, basically, he never won a singles title. He was always a tag champion. Mm. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. I tell you, he was a junior heavyweight champion as well as I quickly scroll through my notes. Okay, fair enough, man. It's all good. So, Dundee and Embry were, took too much punishment in their tape fist match, hence why they're not in this match tonight. Mm. Because they because they ran out of gaffer for the ring. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> maybe that's, that's maybe that's just really came funny. <laughs> <laughs> but Jarrett has new multicolored pattern tights, so the fans are now very clear who is the face again. It's good. There's no there's no reason for me to not understand now. As I said, I had ambiguity earlier based on how they were wrestling, but now the super pants are back. We're fine. So. Billy Joe Travis has the brightest of bright luminous green trunks. Also, Billy Joe, um, I'm assuming he was having the time of his life tax. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a nice guy, though, so I hope he doesn't finish last. <laughs> Maybe somewhat of a basket case, but, you know, I'm sure it'll be okay when he comes around. <laughs> <laughs> I've got oh, a couple warning more. puns. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The heels take advantage of Billy Joe. Well, he is a bit of an American idiot, isn't he? <laughs> that was an easy one, right? But Yamamoto takes some adhesive material, as they say in commentary, to the eyes of Billy Joe, and I'm like, Jesus of suburbia. <laughs> 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 that's it that's all I've got I think I'm going to need some I, Novocaine I, after these jokes <laughs> I started writing more but the match finished and I was like I'm not fucking pausing it and making more puns up fuck this shit are you so, telling um, me that Billy Billy Joe Travis and Jeff Derrick didn't take these boys to the boulevard of broken dreams and yeah, back there you go they were having a real so, holiday of it <laughs> fuck we could do this all night uh, there's like people that were born after like you know 1990 that have no fucking clue what we're talking about right now <laughs> uh, Billy Joe hit, I'll try not to uh, hits a suplex makes Gave the tag mashes him up into a brain stew of some description hey. the grannies go mad for your boy Double J getting the hot tag crucifix rolled through into a pin the commentator goes rolling cradle into a sunset flip and I'm like it fucking wasn't <laughs> only a minority felt that that was a different type of move <laughs> yeah for the one two three and your winners to cap off this astonishingly unique main event <laughs> uh, double J J-A-double-I-E-double-T and Billy Joe from Green Day, uh, Travis. And uh, we immediately fade to black and we're out of here. That's it. Tom Pritchard. Wow. Good, isn't he? yeah, he's he's really, really, good. really good. I'd never appreciated how good Tom Pritchard was. And it looks like he's the only person who can get a good match out of Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. Yeah, I thought Pritchard was outstanding. I loved how carny the whole show was and how it was all held together with gaffer tape and, you know, bad booking, and but quite good lighting and camera work and colours. That's stuff I was impressed by. Yeah, in fairness, the production value for something that was in 92, I had no beef with this. Yeah, 
I mean, I have a few, but <laughs> I know what you mean. It's it's not WF. It could never be. They don't have the money. They don't have the production, the team, whatever it is. But Dallas is notorious for being one of the first companies to bring these production bits to wrestling. You know, the entrance themes, the lighting, the high level cameras and stuff. And it's it's just like they haven't updated them for the past ten years since they invented how to do it. And this is the, this when you mention this. So one of the things in the research I was doing for the GWF is that they were notable. They were known in their original form for broadcast innovations, such as acknowledging other promotions within their broadcast. Hence the 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 merge across and also they had a lot more behind the scenes footage and news segments so they were one of the first promotions to start bringing in this level as part of their broadcast television outside of i think you know wwe but from a texas standpoint for a low budget promotion they had all of that but they then had the issue when um oh what was his name i wrote it down so so there was um joe um Pedicino and I think it was Max Andrews uh, mm-hmm. who who ran it, but Pedicino and one of the uh, one of the, one of the other founders left, um, and they took the money with them essentially. So that left to um, Eddie Gilbert, who was booking in GWF at the time, leaving, um, and he also nicked the belt when he left. No <laughs> so way. He he, st- he t- basically walked out with a North American championship. Defended you mean it. Southern American? No, no, no. Because oh. Eddie Gilbert at the time took the North American, the GWF North American, because obviously we'd be looking at the USWA bits. <laughs> okay, that's what you're saying. Um, and then he um, he made a few defences of the title <laughs> in the USWA, and, sure. and he called it the GWF Heavyweight Championship, even though he'd been stripped of the belt. <laughs> he just carried on wrestling with the belt. But um, the Global Wrestling Federation uh, was sued in 1992 as well by the WWF. Wow. Because they felt the use of the word global was in the same definition as the word world. Jeez. So please tell me they did not win that. Uh, I haven't seen the result in, in my research. It's just they sued them. I tell you what, though, I've got my, I've, I've tried to keep a few things to it. WWF sues GWF. So let's see if I can find who won, who won. This so, um, it was last updated on the um, the United States Painting and Trademarks Office, this opposition. Interesting. Um, it was the board decision that was sustained. Mm. What does that mean? I think the application expired, so they didn't win. So that's good. Good. It probably helped bankrupt them eventually. Oh, but, I, th- I think there was a set. So reading into it more, it was... The the appeal was abandoned after interparty's decision, which means I assume they made a, a little settlement out of it. But unfortunately, um, so USWA closed in 1996 in front of 372 fans in Memphis, paying a total gate of $1,800. Um, and that was at the big one flea market. Um, of course, yeah. Of course it was. And then Amazing. So that was the end of the USWA. And um yeah, after GWF folded, Jim Crockett Jr. brought the NWA back to the sportatorium. And that again only lasted a year. Which so is these- now knocked down, unfortunately. So it's not even somewhere we can, you know, um pilgrimage to or something. 
But it's interesting that ESPN still holds all the rights to the GWF tape library. And they oh, still wow. show in the States on ESPN Classics. So the WWE only gained... Because when we looked at these shows, you saw you've only got maybe four or five shows on the network for GWF. That's because mm. WWE have not been able to acquire the rights to all of these. And considering that they right. bought the USWA or the WCCW stuff, that's when they got these best of shows because technically it's the footage owned by the USWA. So they could use this global, the, the GWF stuff. But a lot of the other GWF stuff is still under ESPN's banner. It's a very grey area, isn't it? Because I'm not quite sure who owns what or what the who sold who to what and things like this it gets very confusing like right from the beginning i was like this is terrible branding but and before so- we before we draw a line under um gwf a lot of people in the modern times say i like wrestling in the 90s because you only had two or three championships well even though we were covering uswa gwf had a few titles and i should hmm. name some hmm. of them now the gwf north american championship the can, television. Can I, can I can I guess some before you get oh, into that? Actually, yeah, no, far away. Go go I, for I it. Bet, I bet firstly they have a Texas base belt and a Memphis base belt. I bet they also have weirdly a middleweight belt, and I bet they have some sort of weird tag belts. So it'll be like NWA Junior Mid Atlantic something Junior belts or something, or like three person tag Junior belts, something crazy like that. Because I know Fritz loved the gimmick. And I know they love the gimmick in Memphis as well. So I bet there's some really weird shit on here. So I'm intrigued to see if I'm correct at any point. Well, you were correct with the USWA side of things. So USWA had a world title, tag titles, television titles, junior heavyweight, middleweight champion. Yeah, middleweight. Got one. (laughs) That's a weird belt to have. Texas Texas heavyweight championship. Okay, Texas base. Good. (laughs) Southern heavyweight championship. That's close enough to Memphis. (laughs) And the USWA's women's championship to give the men something to do. Sure. However, there are some absolute gems in the GWF title stable. So remember WWF at the time had WWF title, IC belt, tax straps. Um, Yeah, that was it, wasn't it? There's nothing else. Back in 92, that's nothing else. Until Ric Flair bought in the real world title. But they had the GWF North American Heavyweight Championship, the Television Championship, another Texas Heavyweight Championship. (laughs) Two of them, I love it. (laughs) Get ready for the best one, which no one would have ever guessed. The GWF Brass Knuckles Championship. Oh, outstanding. They also had a light heavyweight, a tag belt. And they also had a Commonwealth Championship. (laughs) I love those ones, Commonwealth. So that's our belt, right? But but basically, um, the Brass Knuckles Championship was the hardcore belt. Oh, cool. That sounds like fun. And in its time, there were two champions. Um, Wait, all the whole lineage of the title is two people? Well, let me tell you the title history of this belt back in uh, 1992. The belt was first won on the 28th of February 1992 at a house show. Um, and it was won in a battle royal. <laughs> by um okay. black bart eliminating bill Irwin. then uh, twi- is that no no i don't know who bill Irwin is and then 28 days later <laughs> good film probably i've never watched it. it's a film it is a good um, film bill Irwin beats black bart in a first blood match <laughs> doing Aww. the hardcore bouch and um then 
uh, the belt was retired on the same day. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Blatantly TV or some pussies jumped in and be like, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but do you know who Bill Irwin was? Because as you mentioned, who mentioned Bill Irwin? No. It was the goon. Oh, okay. I know who that is. Yeah, sure. So there we go. I love a lovely trip. One of the things I enjoyed most about the show is just going through and finding these little tenuous, these little links, etc., to everything. And if you're interested, um, again, take it for what you will. On the USWA um, Wikipedia page, it's got a list of all the alumni who have wrestled in the USWA. Is the list like ten people? <laughs> no, the list is huge. Of, <laughs> no, like, I know, but just because of this show, there was only like six people wrestling. Uh, basically every single wrestler in the world has wrestled in the USWA apparently but yeah, what I likely. think I've, I've, I'm going to start doing with a lot of these shows we go to and look at the active roster I'm going to become one of those pricks who keep updating Wikipedia pages so I'm now going to add myself to the alumni of the USWA <laughs> <laughs> can we add like all our friends as well can we add like you and Wicked <laughs> <laughs> finally we'll get that Wikipedia page up together <laughs> Uh, but this oh, was this, this this was this was a fun show. I mean, the Bruce Pritt, uh, sorry, Tom Pritchard was an absolute delight to watch on this show, and the fact he got some good wrestling out of Jeff Jarrett. I mean, it's a shame Awesome Kong couldn't get some good wrestling out of Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> but it, this this was, I love that match. It was super stupid, and and again, just the psychology of the hot tag in the tag in the main event before the main event before the main event. Yeah, yeah. With it the was, main event and the other two main events. This was essentially the wrestling that when we went to go and watch stuff as kids, this is the sort of shit we were having in leisure centres. Yeah, absolutely. I remember Kung Fu doing like five matches in one night, you know, for the, uh, um, oh my God, what's the famous British touring company? All Star. All Star, yeah. Yeah, Kung Fu would come out and this, you know, very white Birmingham dude in the Kung Fu gear. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Anyway, so um, in terms of, what I thought about this is overall, I liked that the characters were right up front. Everyone had established characters. It was pretty much Solid Hill face characters, at least. It was really, really fast paced. I really enjoyed that. It made me think that Raw and SmackDown feel very slow compared to this. And it's like 26 years ago. Really Raw sluggish. Should, Raw and SmackDown should not feel slow week to week. It's because it's three fucking hours every time. Anyway, um, packed this full show of covered action. four months. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, mate packed full of action great audio quality which is surprising for an indie in 92 like usually it's terrible audio so whatever they're doing like they perfected it and it's got to give them a lot of credit for the production levels and um, even though michael st john didn't have the best commentary voice his voice didn't annoy me for much of the show <laughs> Done. Mainly, mainly because we've got Bruce Pratchett doing his best Piper impression. I can't do that voice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just imagine Roddy Piper commentating a show. You're like, yeah, this, this that's this because Pritchard's constantly on commentary. Um, it's a shame it was the same bunch of wrestlers over and over again. I would have liked to have seen some other names and other gimmicks and stuff that we could talk about, but it is what it is. Well, like um, Curtis Thompson, the male mailman. <laughs> And you know Billy Joe Armstrong. I mean, whatever his name was out there. Um, uh, my favourite part about this show is that the stories were front and centre, backed up by some genuinely talented wrestlers. Like seeing Austin Pritchard and Double J on this show, I thought they were all really fucking good. 
And and to be fair, Young Embry and Dundee, who were the other three that are constantly wrestling on this, was were entertaining enough, you know. And uh, they had a good they had a good cast of main eventers and a good supporting cast, and then some absolute shit, which we, which you'd expect from people like Awesome Kong and Dog of War. Yeah, you could say it was full of dookie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it at that because these <laughs> these puns aren't going to get any better than that. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, cornflakes. Go on. It's hard, isn't it? Because like, I think we need like, if we're ranking it with every other show, cornflake, but then the actual cornflake because the actual is five, right? Th- yeah. This was this was podcasting gold. Yeah, absolutely. But from a, from a from a podcasting standpoint, I'd put up my twenty one guns, and I <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably have to give it a three cornflake rating for in ring purely because of all the schmozzy finishes and a, a bit of poor booking it, it helped progress the story but it was too much schmozzy finish for my my liking some nimrod was booking this really badly <laughs> fucking hell yeah absolutely i completely agree um yeah it was awesome worldofwrestlingpodcast.com is the best place to find everything go buy a t-shirt amazon.co.uk search world of wrestling podcast we need your money yeah exactly and hopefully we didn't put you to sleep and if you're an insomniac let us know <laughs> taxes got go for al- album for. covers now that's all i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you everyone uh, i'm at fanboy rich on twitter go uh, go subscribe to wrestle talk but most importantly this week we are i don't ever do this so i'm gonna put it out there we are launching the cine world youtube channel which we are kind of taking over we're producing one big show to start with and then we're going to start doing more and more things as we go along which I am responsible for. So please go subscribe to Cineworld on YouTube if you like the movies, okay? Please. <laughs> also, please, if you would like to continue to heckle Rich's work on YouTube, leave some horrible negative comments. You had your first heckler this week, didn't you? Uh, I've had a couple here and there. What was it? Um, the editing on this video give me migraine, <laughs> I think was the comment. <laughs> Then give like, him Novocaine. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much. As YouTube, we have a lot of people that watch it, obviously. So it's on a scale whereby you just have critiques all the time. I, I remember when I, I critique other people, so I can't fucking talk. I remember when I got my first bit of like commentary hatred when I was doing stuff from OWE, <laughs> when the guy said like he couldn't stand my commentary, and then I thought to myself, well, Sean McMahon's probably run off your money, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what's your socials bud i'm at the tex williams across all the boards but obviously as i'm not doing much wrestling at the moment there's not really much to tweet or talk about so um there's pictures of me making fun of ken shamrock doing a house show dive which is very similar to how i would do a dive basically rolling over the top rope and missing everyone nice um and yeah i think I think realistically, from from a wrestling standpoint, because this year was going to be my last year in ring, I think, uh, 2020. And I think if and when SCPW start running shows, I will always, I'll always wrestle for them. But I think realistically, my future in wrestling is going to be as commentary going forward because obviously i can do it at shows i can do it remotely i, I can keep things going and also booking a theater amdram comedy wrestling show right we're gonna do that well hopefully come christmas provided we can oh, do I love things with- at christmas <laughs> <laughs> you said up i'd knock it out go on carry on <laughs> no it's not wrestlemania 2000 we don't knock anything out to that <laughs>
but Fuck. provided provided we can have audiences hmm. I I I think that we will definitely have some kind of festive wrestling entertainment. Sounds fun. <laughs> All right, which is going to be entitled as a rough working title, Tax Williams wins the world title because he's writing the fucking panto. <laughs> <laughs> can I have a belt for doing nothing? Um, There's a Hudson Hart belt. You can have that. Who's <laughs> got that currently? Keith Chaos. Yeah, I'll fuck him up. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't listen to I'm the joking. pod. I'm joking. I'm joking, joking. Actually, Nigel's Vega. So fuck you, Vega. <laughs> oh, I like Vega. I mean, he's horrible. He's a heel. He's not a really nice person. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the pantomime will probably base around me versus Vega. <laughs> Sounds great. I'm in. Right, let's leave it there. I'm so tired. I've got work to do still. Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, uh, it's nice to be back. We took a week off because obviously, you know, stuff got busy. <laughs> but we're going to try and keep this as regular as possible because it makes me happy. I love doing it. Yeah. I lo- oh, very quickly before we go, what are we covering next week? <laughs> Let's discuss this and it'll be a surprise. Make sure Wrestling you subscribe. of some sort. <laughs> Make sure wait, you subscribe. Wait, wait, wait. No, okay. no, 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 Let's both. do it Make- on the pod. Fuck it. Yeah. Are we getting together next week? Of course. Well, subject to any local lockdowns, we'll get together next week and we'll do a socially distant pod in person. Okay. In that case, I'm going to announce it now and I'm hoping you're going to agree with me because I know you're going to want to watch this. Next week, we are finally, after months of teasing it, we are going to start our Brett versus Owen trilogy with WrestleMania 10 oh yes let's fucking go i cannot wait it's been a long time since i watched that show and it's one of my all-time favorites we really need to stop podcasting good wrestling though so we might have set ourselves up for oh, a fall here did you forget what happened to wrestlemania 10 well think about it it's not well. just good <laughs> <laughs> maybe that should be the tagline wrestlemania 10 it's not just good <laughs> All right, let's leave it there. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. See you next week. The louder you guys are, the better the wrestlers will perform for you tonight.